Expanded Universe, Season 6, Episode 10, Dollar Dollar Bills. The book, Planet of Twilight by Barbara Hambly. The year, 1997. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go! Welcome to Expounded Universe. I'm Jeff, your host, joined as always by John, your host. Yay, I'm a host. He's a host, I'm a host, everyone's a host host. <laughs> good. H- how you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm very good. <laughs> I've got lots of baby stuff in the brain. Don't, don't look at me too closely, huh? <laughs> don't look don't, at don't me. Don't look at me. I'm a I'm, baby monster. I've seen so many episodes of Sesame Street. <laughs> All my jokes are from there now. I gotta tell you, these new episodes of Sesame Street, garbage. I know, I'm not a fan. I, I'm doing what I can with bad material, but their whole, their new format's like vignette driven, where I know they've always done like little bits here yeah. and there, but now it's the same bits with interstitials that are that are kind of repetitive. They always cut to Murray, and Murray's like, all right, coming up next is like Abby's Flying Fairy School, but first, let's learn about the letter F. Yeah, that's the the problem I have with it right now is it's so structured of just like, okay, we're going to do some Sesame Street stuff to start with, but then it is just the same like little cartoons and vignettes over and over again. Yeah, they have three or four little shows that they show. There's the Abby's Flying Fairy School is pretty much a universal constant, and for a long time so was Elmo's World, but now it's become Elmo the Musical. Yeah. Uh, and then the one in the middle is either er- Bert and Ernie's Great Adventures which is awful. Yeah. Uh, or the even worse Super Grover 2.0. Great. So, I mean, I just, I know this. And there are so many questions I have about modern Sesame Street. Like, why does Marie never interact with any other members of the Sesame Street cast except for the sheep? Like, there's uh, never an episode where he shows up and talks to Grover or something. I think he doesn't know how to get how to get to Sesame yeah, Street. Yeah, he's just wandering New York, a lost soul. Yeah, he's been banished. Yeah, him and Ovahita have been kicked from the garden of they, sesame they are the adam and eve of yeah, sesame street just wandering the land of the uh of the non-devout yeah they're in nod right now yeah that's it's not great for them yeah yeah it's it's all over hita's fault because she spoke spanish in god's god's garden <laughs> whereas english is god's language god's language yeah, yeah i've gone to enough american church i know this yeah i mean if you if you eat of the apple of the tree of knowledge you learn spanish everyone knows this <laughs> yep that's the first thing you learn you're like oh, wait a minute i'm naked also, Spanish. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, categorical text suggests that the apple of Eden might have actually been an avocado or a jicama. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so, and there was some tamarind sprinkled on there. I also want to know if there are actual puppets of the characters from Flying Fairy School, Blog and Gonigan. I hope so. They're built in puppets. I mean, they're CG characters, but they're built to be like puppet style, like in terms of where like they bend and move. Yeah. So I'm like, did they build them as actual puppets for a stage show at some point or something? I hope so. Me too. I really hope so. I hope so, so much. Hey, did you know that we read two chapters of this book? I forgot it all. I want to talk about Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue, but I resist it. How about no, buddy? <laughs> uh, I think that the book I read might have been an illusion. I will roll to disbelief. Man, we are on the penultimate episode of this. Mm-hmm. Like, the... We've got four chapters left. These are the first two of the last four, and 
Chapter 19 starts with Leia and Callista just talking to each They're other. They're still just shooting that breeze. God damn it. So they're still hanging out in what would admittedly be a pretty cool location for like a photo shoot or something. The inside of a big geode. Yeah. I mean, at least they're like, oh, we're hanging out with the, the like, what the, are they, uh, the speakers? The, yeah, they're hanging out with the the old timers or the speakers of the, or the Theron speakers. Yeah. And they're in a big crystal, but... Uh, when last we left, Leia was having a nightmare about, like, the evil Palpatine Leia and the shitty slave Leia. Yeah, which was like, a pretty cool no. nightmare, but then she was like, no, I choose my own path. Uh, yeah. But now she's talking to Callista uh, probably about that, and Callista's just like, hey, you need to, you know, finally accept that fucking Vader's your father, and she's like, fuck you. I mean, Callista's literally the perfect person for her to be talking to in this situation, because Callista speaks entirely in purple-ass metaphor. <laughs> so, when Leia comes out of a dream, like, I have many, many stupid dream thoughts. She's like, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's exactly I, my shit. That's my specific type of jam. Oh, yeah, before you're you go, my bullshit now. Before you go any further, I'll need to know your four different astrological signs. <laughs> I'm going to do the deep reading. Tell me, <laughs> what time of day were you born? Who's got a deck of standard Sabbath cards? <laughs> so, Leia is resistant to the idea of being like, oh, yeah, I need to take Vader and believe that's my father. Because she's super attached to Bail Organa because he was a good person and she doesn't want to think of vader is her dad because vader was a huge asshole and this whole thing where like she has to she has to absorb that legacy i find it a little distasteful i'm like he didn't raise her he spent most of his life as a political opponent of hers yeah he's on several occasions he tried to kill things she enjoyed yeah and succeeded and succeeded i i'm gonna go with the person who took care of you growing up is your dad well yeah but she's like you don't need to go oh yeah that's my dad and i love him but to accept, like, that was your biological father and you have, you know, some of him in you. I guess. But even he didn't have all that much of him in him. <laughs> he was more robot than man. Twisted and evil. Or whatever the line was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's... So anyway, they're like, yeah, you have to learn to, tra to become the daughter of Vader. But you don't have to be, like, the daughter of Vader about it. No, I mean, Callista's basically just saying, like, you need to accept it so that you can get past your shit because otherwise you're just going to have that nagging oh am i going to turn out like vader in the back of your mind yeah she's going to keep having the dreams and she's going to raise her kids all weird because she'll do everything in her power to not acknowledge the whole vader connection and given that these books really lean into the whole uh uh bloodlines aspect of jedi culture yeah where anyone who ever has sex with a jedi immediately has three jedi kids and they start a new legacy of jedi kids <sighs> yep uh so yeah, she does kind of need to to acknowledge the legacy, I guess. Well, mostly it's, hey, you're so worried about, like, freaking out and becoming evil, but you need to chill, because you're not Vader, you're also not Bail Organa, you're you. Yeah. No, just fucking hang out. It's not the worst advice, it's just kind of colored with the pros of uh, Callista, because she has, she has to be like... Though I though now I touch not the force, though I reach for it and feel it, I feel it not. Not even in this new body, as I once felt it in the old. Like, uh, all right, I got it. And then they have a fun lightsaber fight for practice with each other. Yeah. So she's like, all right, let's fucking have at. And uh, it turns out that Callista's way better at teaching ladies than 
Luke? I mean, part of it's because Callista didn't always used to used to be this tall. That Cray Mingla, the person whose body that her ghost is inhabiting at the moment, is is almost as tall as Luke himself is, and so. But she was tra- she learned lightsaber fighting as like a Leia sized person. Yeah. So she understands Leia's like reach and and all that, and, and can teach based on that knowledge. Yeah. Uh, she also has a sun-colored lightsaber. If you were curious about what that what that's about, yeah, she's got that yellow lightsaber. Got that yellow one that's like the default for when you haven't picked a side yet. Yeah. That, that that's gen- that's for the consulars, okay? I am kind of happy to see a, a strictly non-Jedi character get to carry around and wield a lightsaber without a bunch of falder all about it. Yeah. Because she has no force access whatsoever. Yeah. In this one, it's less like, oh, I'm using the force to not cut my own arm off. Mm-hmm. And more just, look, I've practiced with a lightsaber so much that it's just muscle memory. I know how to use this. Yeah. So the two of them have a fight. And we also get an interesting new realization, that one that I had not yet heard uh, or heard in the book uh that the speakers go out in the desert and receive like straight up discussions from the the crystal rocks like we, we've we've had like little rumors given to us by the, the settlers who were like yeah they think they can talk to rocks or some shit whatever well yeah the uh the book says that they think they are talking to like their ancestors or whatever mm-hmm. uh but it's just because the force rocks pull that image out of their head and go Hey, it's me, uh, your Uncle Barry. They're really holding the Force Rock thing reveal, aren't? Or, or, or I'm sorry, Barbara is really holding that Force Rock reveal, is because we're we're down to the wire at this point. It's about time to tell us the Force Rocks are alive because we figured it out a long time ago. Uh, I mean, spoiler, I guess it doesn't happen in these two chapters. No, so we've got. Two chapters after this for a lot of wrap-up. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, one of the speakers, a woman by the name of Bay. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah, B-E with an uh, accent over E. Yeah, so Bay. So Queen Bay comes back. And and is like, what up? Hey, there's there's huge force storms outside. Also, uh, fucking the newcomers are... They're moving on installations. Yeah, they're trying to take over. All over. They're trying to take over the gun platforms. Yeah. And that's why they're like, ooh, you get cool visions. You knew shit was happening, even though you've just been sitting up in a fucking crystal all day. Yeah, and she'd be like, yes, my grandmother came and told me in a crystal vision. Hey. It was like a Fleetwood Mac song. <laughs> it was great. She was all flouncy and drowsy and flipping around with veils and shit. It was, it was wonderful. Ba- so good. So many crystals. There was an entire marching band. I spent so much money on homemade dream catchers at the end. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, we more or less cut from them, but it's pretty much apparent that they're going to go down and, and uh, interact with some townspeople for some reason at the end of this. Well, they're going to try and, you know, save the gun emplacements. That's what yes. they're leaving with. Yeah, because the they know timers. they know the rules of the gun emplacements, that the gun emplacements are important to keep the death seat from getting off planet. Yeah. So they're going to go try and help that. Uh, and then I guess we cut to C-3PO and R2-D2 on Cyblock 12. Oh, yeah, the Plague Planet. Yeah, they are still trying to get a message out where uh, 3PO is just cycling between basic and one of six million languages. Yeah, that's still a weird choice, but what are you going to do? Yeah, and uh, I, I like that one of the ones he's like, oh, well, it's hard to do an exact uh like translation yeah, of this they don't have a lot of tech it was yeb and they don't have a lot of technical net uh words so, so yeah. it's just like a corporation 
needs help that is not a threat to your corporation or any other corporation and will not be in the future, but they desire assistance. It was pretty well written, yeah. Uh, and, and also sp- spelled out for us in that language, too. So that was kind of fun to read. Bunch of bunch of apostrophes and, and repeated words. But yeah, uh, basically he's he's beaming out this translation and amusing himself by thinking about how complicated it is to send like please send help this planet is infected with plague in a variety of languages. Yeah. He he also pauses for a second to think about how easy it is to send the message out in Bith. <laughs> Cuz Bith is just numbers. It's just like, "Hey, 932 12 7." Ah. <laughs> 7. <laughs> what a cut up. Uh, six two five. That's so weird. I don't understand how their language is numbers. I mean, I guess it's just sort of like they're ordering food at each other all the time. I don't know. Uh, man. Number twenty two. It's I'll, uh, I'll take five number fives. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the old joke of the guy who's new in prison, and uh, mm-hmm. here's a guy yell out forty seven, and everybody laughs. Mm-hmm. And there's silence. I've not heard then, this. You can go ahead. Yeah, and then someone goes. 12! Everybody busts up laughing. And the the new guy looks at his cellmate and goes, what's this? Why is everybody laughing? He goes, oh, look, we've all been in prison forever. And at this point, we've already told every joke that we know. So we've just assigned him numbers. So when we say it, we're just saying that joke to each other, but it's a shorthand. No, very And good. so the new guy kind of nods and goes, yeah, all right, 36! And nobody laughs. And he turns and goes, what's up? And he's like, well, some people know how to tell a joke. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a different ending than I was expecting, and I enjoyed it. Hey, there you thank, go. Thank you for the fine joke. You are welcome. Any, anyway, I feel like Bith can only express numbers related to the uh, cost of a band and the cost of a ticket off planet. So <laughs> obviously, I mean that's that's the thing we we've learned a lot about Bith in our journey. Oh yeah, we've got big Bith knowledge right now. Yeah, uh, who uh, was? Didn't we establish at some point that I think it was the person who trained Anakin was trained by a Bith or something? Uh, the I think it was the person who trained Darth Plagueis was oh, a Bith. That's right. But Darth Plagueis was trained by a, by a Sith Bith. Yeah, by a Thith Bith. A, a Sith Bith with a Thith. A Thith Bith with. Yeah. Don't worry, though. It was, uh, it was benign. <laughs> the yeah. Sith of the Sith Bith. Yeah, the Thith Bith had a lisp. Yeah. Which made everything completely much more understandable. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> he wrote the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise. <laughs> It's not a story that the Jedi would tell you, mostly because it's completely incomprehensible. It's just numbers. <laughs> well, anyway, these two have their conversation. We cut to 3PO. 3PO's sending out the message from the Plague Planet, and uh, he's everything on the planet is turning off. Everything's running out of power. They haven't seen a living person in forever. And they're both pretty much just like, yeah, we're gonna, we're just going to shut off here. At some point, we're going to power down. We're on reserve energy right now as it is. And uh, this is going to be our our graveyard right here. Yep, we're just going to die in the room we're in. And 3PO is kind of just, eh, whatever. No, oh, yeah, he's like, normally I say we're doomed because it's an opinion. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no, it's fact now. Yeah, we're definitely doomed. And R2 is kind of like, eh, eh, so what? We're we're droids. Who cares? Someone will find us. But then it turns out that someone indeed does get their message. They're like, ooh, sweet, a ship. Yeah, they can barely see a ship landing through the greasy transparent steel that's... uh. That's up in this this control tower they're standing in. So they go clattering down the stairs to see who it is. Yeah. Well, they, they're like, okay, if we get to, like, if we start leaving for the uh, ship dock now, we'll get there when they arrive, because we don't want to get there late, have them show up, look around at everyone dead, and leave. Yeah. 
So they got to rush on ahead. So they abandon their current post and go clattering along to go meet up with this uh, this landing ship. They have no idea what it is because, again, their control tower window completely covered in, like, grease or plague juice or something. Now, at this point, I was like, oh, it's it's got to be Han. Yeah, we're, we're finally, finally going to have that happen. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Yarbulk. I thought it was going to be Yarbulk Yem showing up again and to continue more of the stories of Yarbulk Yem. Nah, man. He dropped him off. And as we know, every time they get dropped off by something, that character's gone. I mean, we've seen Yarbulk twice. Yeah, but he wasn't dropped off. He didn't get on a ship with them. No, yet. he just ended up being a secondary captive. Uh, but yeah, so we may, maybe if we're lucky, this is Han Lando and Chewie, and we can finally have the Han Lando Chewie droid reunion we were really hoping for. Yeah, at least we'll get some characters together. But instead of that, let's introduce more characters here in Chapter 19 of 22. So it's the Empire. The Empire has, well, sort of. It's an Empire vessel. Yeah, there's no insignias on it, and they see Empire-style, like, e-suits on the people coming out, but it looks like all of the Empire, like, patches have been ripped off. There's Nothing that signifies them as that, but it's all Empire stuff. And not only that, but the person leading the the uh, ev- the team that comes out of the ship is a Twi'lek. Yeah. Which is like, the, no, there's no way that the Empire would hire Twi'leks to do any of the work. Plus, there's some ladies in this crew, and there's the Empire didn't really mix their... Yeah. It, it, They're notoriously anti-alien and anti-lady? Yeah. They only, they only let women do anything in the Empire if they were obscenely high-ranked, specifically. Like, if there was never a point where there were anything short of, like, a moth... Or if, uh, if they were secrets, like Mara Jade. Yeah, I mean, almost everything was going to be like, oh, if you're a lady, it's either because you're far too talented to be ignored, yeah. or you're someone's special secret project. That's the thing. Is all, every single woman in the Empire, in the expanded universe that we ever read, not, not now. Now there's, there's newer characters that, that have, you know, you've got uh, uh, Phasma. For, uh, in the in the uh, well, that's not really the Empire either. It's the First Order, but still. Yeah, no, I'm saying in Legends. Yeah, in Legends, women are always pet projects if they're in the Empire. Every single one of them is so, like, oh, Wilhuff Tarkin discovered her on a planet and decided to raise her because she was unusually good at the job. And uh, Vader found this and made her one of his 27 secret apprentices that he's had. Yeah, so. Honestly, he Vader's more responsible for bringing women into the Empire than just about anyone else. Oh, yeah. Because we know he trained at least two. Because <laughs> he had Mara Jade and he also had uh, the Ferrario lady from, uh, from yeah. Crystal St- Riao. 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 Which, the, again, the audiobook tells us is Riao, but no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Yeah. Get out. So, anyhow, uh, yeah, it's it's Empire people. They capture the droids almost immediately and bring them on board the ship. And they are consistently receiving instructions over the comm system from a tinny, unidentifiable voice because they have a bad comm system and because they want to set up some suspense. Yeah, they get into the like main uh, office room on this ship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, it's so stark and imperial in here. And there's a chair and it turns around and it's a- Admiral Dala. Admiral Dala has made her appearance in, in the book. Great. At chapter 19 of 22, we introduce the major villain for several other books. Yeah. Now, if you're like me, I'm sorry. But yeah, that's also, rough. I'm glad I'm not. You've never read any of those books and were like, 
and it turns around and it's Admiral Dalla. Which and I'm ha- like, okay. Which they lampshade the severity of it by having 3PO have to be like, oh, Atsu, remind me to update my news reports. I thought Admiral Dalla was dead. Well, yeah, but that's still like, oh my, someone we thought was dead and is very important is here. But if you haven't read those books, you're like, what is, what is this late fucking, like, final hour nonsense that you're putting out here that I do not care about. Well, we go on at great length to determine that Admiral, this is Admiral Dalla having already lost at the Jedi, Jedi uh, Praxium on, on Yavin 4. Uh, her, her big ship, the Night Hammer, is long destroyed. Her association with, with uh, Admiral Gilad Peleon appears to have come to an end. She's bitter, she's tired, and she's old. None of that makes any sense to me. But... The one thing that John is not missing out on is the only thing that ever happens when Dela shows up in a book or Dala, whatever, uh, which is long r- descriptions about her hair. Uh, her hair is more of a character than she is. Yeah, it, they're real big on like, ooh, she's got that red hair running down her back like the tail of a comet. Ooh, it's in a braid. Look at that red hair. Oh, the red braid of fiery, untamable hair. Braided, so I guess it's tamed, but but it, but it can't be tamed. <laughs> and we stop there, and the very end is just a little Han and Lando business where they, uh, when last we left them, were getting a hollow fake of Leia, mm-hmm. and they have managed to get, like, not a lot, but they've cobbled together a Republic fleet to go try and stop Gatellus. Yeah, they've got themselves a little fleet to go stop Catellus with, uh, comprised of a bunch of, like, skip ray blast boats and other various ships that are pulled out of Wikipedia, no doubt, and also a couple of X-Wings and a newcomer to the uh, to the fighter game, the E-Wing. Yeah, so they've got... You know, some stuff assembled, but Han's like, we got to get there before the actual fleet gets there if we want to have a chance. Mm-hmm. So we got to we gotta jump now. So their whole thing is just, all right, cool. We managed to lie our way into a defense force, but we're going to jump ahead of the defense force to get there early. Yeah, and they have a discussion about where they're going to go. They try to choose between Paducas Chorios and Nam Chorios. And Han uses some of his famous non-linear smuggler thinking to determine that it must be Nam Chorios that's the important one. Well, yeah, because he was like, it can't be a coincidence that Leia goes missing after meeting with someone from Nam Chorios right before all of this goes down. Yes, yeah. So they're going to go to Nam Chorios, but he knows about the gun emplacements of Nam Chorios and all that. So he's like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to hyperspace into within like an inch of the gun emplacements. Like their their plan, they didn't really speak it out loud, but they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna do an insane hyperspace jump." That's like hair trigger. We might mess this up and die. Yeah. And uh, Lando is all angry because he's like, "Nah, Namtorios is a fucking rock. Why it's, would it's anyone go there? Useless rock." And and Han's like, "I don't know, but it's got to have something to do with something. It's probably got to do with lore in our corporation. Whatever. It's definitely where Leia is. We have to go there." Yeah. And that ends chapter nineteen. So not much has happened. Like, we finished the chapter with, like, some discussion and a big reveal of Dala, but, like... Man, is that ever some inside baseball, though? If you're not like me and you're like, oh, Dala, okay, I know who that's all that is and what that's all about. It was just like, that's Admiral Dala, who? Okay. All right. right. But even <laughs> the whole thing is just set up for more stuff. It's Leia and Callista talk. 
but they're on their way to action. C-3PO and R2-D2 sit around and muse about their death, and then find an admiral. And Han and Londo. Oh, Londo? <laughs> yeah, it's Hans, Han, Hans Han, Landa. Han and Londo. <laughs> Hone and Londo. Londo Malari, the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, ambassador from the great people that had little vampire frock coats and six giant penises. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I forget the name of the species, but on, oh, oh, on yes. Babylon 5. Yes, I only remember that because we did a Babylon 5 RPG. And we made fun of them for being extremely boring as far as aliens are concerned because they're just fat little dudes with they're stupid... little fat vampires. Little fat vampires with bad haircuts. Yeah. Uh, and people wrote in to complain that we were too mean to their beloved show... And said and that also they're not boring because they have six dicks. They have six giant prehensile dicks that fold into their stomachs. Great. And I was like, yeah, whip them out then or, or leave me alone. I don't want to hear about something that the show added after the show. Yeah. I get enough of that at my job. But yeah, again, both of them are just like, we assembled a thing and we're going to go stop that fleet momentarily. So the whole of chapter 19 is just, oh, just you wait. I'll do something eventually. It's a prelude. It's chapter 19, a prelude of what's to come in, in my three-chapter short story about Star Wars. Ugh. So, uh, meanwhile, chapter 20, we get Luke's business. So he's finished up with Legaeus lying on the ground beneath the That's electricity right. the two blanket. Of them, the two of them had to spend the night being shocked so that they wouldn't die to, to <gasps> gasp. Yeah. Psst, uh. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, and they couldn't they couldn't uh, spoil anything for each other, or they'd ruin it and they'd die. Yeah. So, have you ever seen The Matrix? No. Oh, shoot, I was really hoping for something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they are, I guess, all better now. Because mm -hmm. well, it's daytime. Yeah, they've been electrified and now they're in sunlight. So good for them. Yeah, but uh, they're they're going to the gun emplacements as well because they also need to stop the newcomers from blowing it up. Because they also know about the fact that if this works, then Seti Ashgad gets to take shit off planet. One of my favorite things about all this is that Luke having stolen that Mobcat chariot car is a great that chance. Mobcat Goldthwait? <laughs> he, stole, he stole Bobcat Goldthwait's thunder. And now, <laughs> dare he? now Bobcat can't find it and doesn't remember how to do the voice. <laughs> that was his thunder. That was his thunder. The thunder was that weird voice. Can you do that voice, John? No, it comes from down under. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you don't... There's one voice you can't... Because you really are the man of a hundred voices. The thing is, I can't remember the voice. Like, I'm sure if I sat down and listened to a clip of Bobcat doing it, oh, I could get there. It is really hard to do. Oh, I know. It's a lot about pitch modulation. Because it's... I wish I could fully remember it. Because it's very just do what vibration I do. in the back of the throat while also being high-pitched, and just, it's very weird. Just do what I do and remember all of the events of Police Academy 4. <laughs> I've never watched a Police Academy movie. Not even the first one? None of them. Oh my goodness, what an interesting hole in your cultural library. I think I've seen maybe all of two minutes of any of them. Yeah. Well, the first one's all right. After that, they they fade rapidly from value. <laughs> and even the first one's one of those movies where nowadays you have a hard time liking it in any capacity because it's just white guy expects breeze is rewarded. Yeah. It's such an 80s thing to, to see as a movie. Like... There's a whole bunch of poli new police officers, and all of them are having a hard time because they're the misfits. For example, some of them are black. 
That's that's how you can tell they're the misfits. Yeah, and some of them are ladies. Yeah, and then there's the one white guy that's having a hard time getting. Oh, there's a couple of them. One of them is a little too weird and Dan Aykroydy. <laughs> one of them's a little too Dan Aykroydy. He's not Dan Aykroyd. He's just a little too Dan Aykroydy. <laughs> yeah, he's anyway, Dan Aykroyd. I'm sorry, we're going way too deep into Police Academy. <laughs> Welcome that, to our review of Police Academy, which I've never that, seen and I haven't seen for decades. So I feel like it would be a bad time for us to conduct a review of it. <laughs> Uh, but so John, yeah. let's start with the story of Commandant Lassard. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, as you were. So Luke is on his way to the gun emplacement as well. Now, in his sleek black mobcat chariot, which is what I wanted to talk about in the first place. Yeah, when they show up, there's a whole like mob outside. Mm-hmm. He sees all the people from town, like going to blow up whatever the fuck is there. Yeah, he recognizes one of them right away. Gurney Caslow, a character who he doesn't like very much. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I just know that, you know, fucking uh, Jin and whatnot, the dude as well. Because uh, it was Aunt Jin and... Aunt, uh, Umali Darm and Arvo Arvel Krind. I don't know. It's a bunch of space names. Yeah. Eh. But he's like, yeah, I'm sure they're in that crowd too, and I've got to get up there and stop it because... They don't know what they're about to do. Yeah, so he's going to run in there and tell them the dark secret of, of Seti Ashgad. Yeah, and he runs up and he's like, stop! Seti Ashgad has not your good choices in mind. Why, he is a selfish man that cares nothing for your plants. And they're like, shut up. Yeah, a lot of them are just like, what? And he's like, hey, listen, this is th- here's the thing. He's not here to help you. He's here to uh, to sell the entire plant to Laura Car- Lornar Corporation on the cheap, and you guys as well, because you're already here. Yeah, he's like, you don't understand. He gives no fucks about anything that you want. He doesn't want to get you equipment. He doesn't want to try and get you new deals with the Republic. What he wants to do is, is turn fucking- people into dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't want to cure cancer. <laughs> Uh, anyway, anyway, yeah, he's he's a dick through and through. And they're like, I don't believe you. You don't have any proof. And finally, for the love of God, two characters get to be together as Leia comes out of the emplacement and is like, it's true. I have this hollow fax or fax sheet. I've got this car fax. I've scrimshaw printed out onto a whale face. <laughs> You printed Scrimshaw onto a whale face, you say? That's how it works, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. (laughs) Moving right along, no further questions. (sighs) But she comes out waving a big sheaf of paperwork. The best part of any given movie is when the hero emerges with a bunch of paperwork. Yeah. And she's like, all right, which one of you? This is one of my favorite parts in all this. She's like... It's like it's true. I, I when I was stuck in his building, I uh, I found a computer uh, which had a whole bunch of printouts of, or a whole bunch of his plans and stuff on it, and I printed them all out. Now, which one of you is a neep? <laughs> uh, I am. I'm not kidding. This is an actual line in the book that does not get explained. Yeah. Which one of you guys out there is a neep? Uh, I am a neep. Yeah. And then one guy, uh, Bouldrum Caslow, Gurney's well-meaning older brother steps forward from the crowd and is like, indeed, madam, I am a neep as a, it says here on my neep card. I uh, set up that uh, computer system for Ashgad myself. Mm. I can tell this definitely comes from his computer. (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy being a neep. (laughs) Mm, Deep, (laughs) leap, creep. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't even know what the fucking neep is, but that's what. It, that, but Bulldrum's one of them. Apparently, apparently he's just nerd squad guy. Like I guess IT technician. The one dude who can set up computers is a neep. Yeah, the, the the only guy on this entire planet who can set up computers, and everyone calls him a neep. That's that's reductive. <laughs> he's a man, Leia. He has a name. It's Bulldrum. You know what? Actually, that's stupid. Just call him neep. Yeah. So. She's like, look at all of these papers I've got. Why, it says he's going to sell off the planet to Lorinar, and there's going to be essentially forced slavery, and he's going to take all of your shit. Yeah, and she gives them the papers, and they're all just sort of yelling individual chunks of it. Like, oh, transfer of material, isn't that just a fancy term for theft? Taxation, isn't that just a fancy term for theft? (laughs) Hi, I'm the libertarian Star Wars guy. Uh, they're going to sell the crystals at 67 fixed rate? <laughs> That's in this economy? <laughs> uh, I do love that there's one... Yeah, McDonald's g- at home. There's a one guy there who's like, Poppycock, Ashgad's amazing! Yeah, and- it's, it's it's Gurney Caslow. He's he's the uh, the one loyalist to, Ger- to uh, Ashgad in the entire building. And does not care. He's like, fuck it, I don't care if I've seen all of these papers that show that Seti Ashgad is very definitely going to attempt to fuck us all over. I still believe in him. Yeah. And then the mob turns on Gurney Caslow and sort of just holds him in place while he rants and raves about how he's on Gurney or, or uh, Ashgad's side. And and <laughs> I love that Luke is still stupid here. I hope that's the thing you love. Yes. I was about to say, I love that there's a conversation now where Luke and Leia are talking and they're like, oh... You know, they get the reunion with Legaeus, so Legaeus is super excited to see that Leia's all right. Master Leia, I can't believe I get to see you again. Oh, good. This guy's gotten older every page of the book. Yeah, he's got that super age disease. Yeah. (laughs) He's just going down fast. Yeah. When we first get the description of him, he's just described as like a vaguely elderly but friendly gentleman. And by the end of the book, he's just like, I drank from the wrong grail. (laughs) Yeah. So... They have the reunion, and that's nice. And then Leia's like, ooh, I don't know. Can can Ashgad get out of here? And he's like, oh, yeah, all he needs is to input some coordinates or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Luke's response is, well, can he do that? Does Has he, he have how? the education? Legaeus, tell me, is he as smart as his father said he Ashgad? And Leia has to be like, for oh Christ's sake, Luke, God. I figured it out in 18 chapters. What's wrong with you? Yeah, Leia... Leia's like, of course he can input that. That's easy. He fucking designed the Z95. That's a crazy claim, by the way. Yeah. And then this guy was like a political maneuvering type. And you're telling me now that he's the primary architect behind a specific space fighter? Hey, they said he's the one who designed that entire ship that he's going to take off in. The Reliant, yeah. It's amusing to me that he, they're like, that she's like, yeah, he's a leading uh, hyperspace engineer. In fact, he designed this non hyperdrive capable starship. All right, thanks, Leia. And even with that, Luke's like, but how could he do that? The Z95 has been on sale for more than 50 years. She's like, you dumb motherfucker. I mean, to be fair, it's a weird, stupid mystery that someone accidentally made super smart vampire food, and then that vampire food kept a dude alive for 75 years for no good reason. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's a confusing conundrum. And when she's like, hey, there's a, there's a weird bug pyre. That's part food and part evil Jedi monster. And he's like, yeah, I know. I met him. I met him. And, and she's like, yeah, but he's been keeping Ashgad alive this whole time. So that's the same Ashgad. And Luke's and that, like, that keeps the crowd astonished as well. They're like, what? what? Wait, who's making super food that keeps you super smart? 
Yes, he started as a simple acai berry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now that's he the has... name of that little crab is Asim. <laughs> but now you wouldn't believe it. His omega three levels are off the charts. <laughs> uh, Fish oil runs through his veins. So that is also the last straw for uh, fucking what's his nuts? Gurney Caslow. Gurney, who who was hurt enough? He's like, wait, you're telling me that my hero is an eighty or is a hundred year old man who's been kept alive by sucking on food bug jug and jugs? He's, he's gonna sell us all to a corporation and enslave us? Well, how about fuck you? I've got grenades. And but the thing is, he's he's still on even at this point. He is still 100% an Ashgad loyalist. Yes. He snags grenades from some random per person in the crowd, and Luke's like, I wouldn't have thought that guy would be so nimble. Huh. As he leaps to the fore and blows up the cannon emplacement. Yeah. Oh, he's immediately murdered. Yeah, he gets shot, but they don't shoot the grenades, so they mm -hmm. get to land inside of the emplacement and blow up. Yeah. But you'd think that Luke would have just been like, oh, let me just flick that away real yeah, just, quick with the force. And force. And uh, no. Sorry, there's going to be a little force storm somewhere. It's sorry, tiny. All I did sorry. was a little bit of it, but it's okay. Sorry. I've already established that I do not give a fuck, except in this one where he keeps talking about, because there is currently a force storm. Well, yeah, because Beldorion's on the move. Yeah, so Beldorion is doing stuff, and he's like, ooh, that Beldorion, he doesn't even care if... Someone gets crippled by their own blacksmithing material. <laughs> like, my dude, we get it. You're very guilty about the fact that you cause someone to lose their legs or you, whatever. You feel super bad. It makes perfect sense. I understand. But yeah, Gurney Caslow's last moment is throwing a belt of grenades at the, at the local gun emplacement. And that's one gun emplacement down, which is really bad. So they're going to rig up a couple of the local crash ships around here as replacement cannons and point them skyward. Because it's vitally important that the Death Seed not get off planet. Yeah. And you might be wondering, well, gosh, didn't Leia and Callista both go to the outpost? <laughs> right, yeah. Why, why has Luke and Callista not been reunited? Because Callista's hiding in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Callista, we cut to in the gut emplacement just going like, oh, my God, don't tell him I'm here. Mm-hmm. Straight up closing the shutters and peeking through them until the religious pamphlet guy leaves. <laughs> like, just shoving their friend out there. T tell him I'm gone. <laughs> I, I went somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, she comes out when Luke leaves, but up until that point, she's just hiding in the gun emplacement like, I don't want to talk to Luke. I don't want to. And, like, there's a whole conversation that she has when she comes out with uh, Leia where... where the two of them discuss what they're going to tell Luke later, what Leia will tell Luke later. Yeah, because she even goes like, hey, are you going to tell Luke that you met me? And she's like, yeah, it's probably for the best that I, mean, I do I, that. I'm really bad at lying to Luke, so yeah. And and uh, Callista's like, are you sure you don't have to tell him you met me? But if you do, just let him know that. We must go separate ways. Yeah. Well, she, I am on a path that he cannot follow. Yeah, she basically says the most romantic thing she can think of, which is like, tell him I will love him for as long as my life is in this body, but that my love can have no part with, of him in my life. <laughs> You're like, uh, Tell him it was me and not him. Tell him to keep chasing me. And then say, I meant just kidding, just kidding, don't. But do, though. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Callista... Stays inside the gun emplacement, and someone even goes up to her and is like, "Hey, uh, isn't that isn't that Luke?" Mm -hmm. She's like, 
Yes. Yes. And? Yes. <laughs> are you, are you going to go say hi? No, I'm good. No, I'm fine. I'm going to wait until he moves to the next house down and then read his funny pamphlet. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Uh, it's the saddest. It's it's a moment where you don't think about it while you're reading through because she pops out after Luke kind of leaves on some other heroic quest. And she's like, okay, is he gone yet? But you have to think when you're reading the entire huge confrontation with Gurney Caslow and all the big reveal and so on, is that Calissa's right there hiding. Yeah. She's just hiding behind a bulkhead, look, peeking out a window, being like, oh, it's Luke. It's really important I not talk to him like an adult. <laughs> and also, like, she could have very easily just been blown up given that the dude threw grenades in there. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, nah, I'd rather get blown up than talk to him. <laughs> Oh, I'd rather be blown up than call Luke for help. <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah, they, uh, they're they going to try and get things together to save that gun emplacement. Meanwhile, back to Admiral Dalla. Admiral Dalla is hanging out with these two droids. Uh, and she's like, hey, uh, tell me everything you, that there is to, that's been going on. Tell me all your thoughts on God. Yeah, she wants to hear. Because really I'm on my way to meet her. Yeah. Um, God damn, I like that song. Now I want to listen to it. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, she's like, hey, tell me everything that's been going on in this sector. And unfortunately, we don't actually get to hear 3PO describe his version of events for the past couple of days. He's like, <laughs> what we do get is 3PO describing how he's like, well, I make a approximation of what humans would do. With their arms open and spread to say, this is all I've got. <laughs> this is all I know, man. <laughs> With this weird little thing that connects his forearm to the inside of his upper arm. Yep. That, that little dingle he's got in there. But basically, he doesn't tell her the whole story because he he's not supposed to reveal, like, Leia's involvement in every... In, yeah, there's in, state secrets. There's all kinds of state secrets he's privy to. But I would still... I would have loved to hear him just whine endlessly about, like, meeting Captain Zork. Oh, my Zork. goodness. Well, to start with... Yeah. Ooh, Captain Zorkstruck, or whatever the fuck his name was. And then we were kidnapped for the fourth time. Mm, yes. Had to go to Nimdrovis or something and watch these gross little fireplug monsters stuff cake in their face. Ugh. And then we met an 80-foot-tall flower man. And then, in the fourth grade, I went to the <laughs> movie theater, and I brought fake vomit with me. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. It's a close approximation of the way humans vomit. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> we do not get that, but Dala is buying none of this. Yeah, she's like, okay, so your story is fucking stupid, and uh, it's full of very specific holes that are shaped like state secrets from the Rebellion. <laughs> so I'm just gonna plug R2 into the wall and read it, read it, print out from him directly. Yeah, I love that she's like, oh yeah, I was taught once how to uh, like, like, get information from a droid the easy way, and 3PO's like, oh, how nice for you. Oh, that's wonderful. I wonder what that means. <laughs> I certainly don't read anything into it. <laughs> I mean, this whole this whole chapter has him, like, when he's talking to her, he's, she's like, uh, well, please, do, do tell me more of your troubles. He's like, very well. Also, we were stuck in a plague plan. She's like, you are bad at reading when I'm saying something rhetorical, aren't you? Yeah. And he's like, yes. And then he files the whole conversation away in his rhetorical considerations folder. <laughs> like, he's got an entire folder in his database for how to tell if someone's asking a rhetorical question. Yeah. Rhetorical considerations, by the way, is one of those those CDs you can buy from that push-button kiosk at a Target. <laughs> 
I thought you were going to say one of the CDs you can get from Starbucks, but okay. Either way, that's pretty much the same thing. But, you know, you go to the Target, and there's that little wall of CDs, and you press, and it goes like, Celtic Memories. <laughs> yeah. Rhetorical Considerations. <laughs> Big Band Jazz. Planes of Memory. <laughs> Paducas Chorios. <laughs> Suckin' Cake. <laughs> Put this in your Zwill hole. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it says that she gets out a coax cable. Mm-hmm. And it specifically says it. coax. Yeah. Good. Great. And connects that to R2 and finds out what is going on. But that's pretty much we have to end there before she actually finds everything out. But just like plugs R2 into yep. a terminal. But weirdly, don't worry, because she literally comes back again in this chapter. Oh, yeah. But first, we have to quickly see uh, Han dodging lasers from those uh, needles. Yeah, the CCIR droid, ne- droid fighters, the little needlers, are flying around shooting missiles at them and blowing up one of the larger of the patrol craft they brought with them. Yeah, they are flying around, and they're like, look, we can't actually blow these guys up because it's almost impossible like they've been doing this for like an hour or something and he's managed to hit two right so all they can do though is dodge so like as long as we just you know fly in weird patterns and try and stay out of their uh like sights we can survive longer than just trying to shoot them you'd think they'd try some space aoe's you know like drop some bombs out the back or something you'd think but they, they it's would all do lasers. Something. They just keep trying to shoot these things with lasers instead of kicking a bomb out the back door of the Falcon or or any any other kind of AOE trick that you could pull off in a space fight. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that, I got to go to the bathroom and kick a bomb out the back door. If you know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> hey, delayed fuse, <laughs> delayed blast fireball. I'm just kidding. It starts stinking immediately. Uh, so yeah, it's them just dodging and. Lights are going off, and their shields are failing. And, and he's arguing with Lando. And Lando in this book is basically, in the in the very limited portrayals he gets at all, is described as, like, a wussy administrator. Yeah, they're not doing Lando any favors in this book. No. I no mean, at Lando. least he gets lines, unlike Chewie. I mean, to be fair, he's in his late 40s in this book, and he doesn't need this shit. One of the thing the thing is in the in the uh, expanded universe Lando is consistently just portrayed as doing Bespin again. Yeah, so every time we check in with Lando it's usually like, "Oh, I'm running a big walking colony on a planet where it's too hot to be on the day side of the planet, so we just we have a giant walking literally on a bunch of legs mining colony that walks around the planet in circles." Yeah, I mean, it's Another one of those things where, like, if you saw an alien do one thing, that's all that alien species does. Yeah, that's is, Lando. Is Lando yeah, we saw Lando do one thing, and that's all he's allowed to do. Yeah, for the, for his entire expanded universe life, he solves a couple of mysteries. And but, rewrites a couple of histories. Yeah, but mostly he just takes over weird mining installations. Yeah, he's just like, look, what I do is I do mining installations, and I might pilot. That's about it. Yeah. So in this case, he's just like, I don't want to stay here, Han. This is stupid. Oh, and they picked up his uh, his Sullustan friend, right? Did they? They pick up Nian Numb? Yeah, it says they, they picked him up along the way. Oh, okay. So they've got Nian Numb with them, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, he's a rad dude. Yeah, so that way he can be the co-pilot while Chewie runs around trying to stop the ship from exploding. Which is what's I- happening, because every time... The, the two of them are having this boring conversation, but then Chewie will just run by in the background. Yeah, in the background, it's just... 
yeah. as he runs past. Just arms billowed out behind him. <laughs> <laughs> just running all Naruto style. <laughs> I just, I love that he has only ever been in the background of anything in this book. Mm-hmm. But at least in this scene, he's the only thing keeping this ship together while the two of them are having the dumbest argument. This might be the best portrayal of Chewbacca we've seen because with no spotlight on him, he can't do anything stupid or out of character. But he does do rad stuff. Like the part when he comes out of the pool in, in uh, Palpatine's old apartment and he's just covered in babies. <laughs> just, just, they're all dangling by his fur. And he's like, eh, eh, what are you going to do? This is normal. Uh, so, yeah. This, but Chewbacca's running around fixing shit on the ship while these little needle droids blow it up. Yeah. And Han's oh, manning one of the guns for some reason. <laughs> yeah. They're holding out here as long as they can because he's pretty sure something important is going to happen. He's like, we got to hold out until the actual fleet gets here. Mm-hmm. Though I don't know why that's important yeah. that they be here before the fleet if they're just going to get blown up anyway, but whatever. Uh, sure. Whatever, Han. You do you, buddy. Yeah, great. Yep. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, Dala. We go right back to Dala. <laughs> Dala has the information from R2. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, got it right out of his little system. And she... <laughs> Has nothing nice to say about anyone. She basically turns into the Star Wars Yosemite Sam. <laughs> They're both known for their flowing gouds of red hair and endless invective strings. Yeah, she just hates everyone in this final bit of the chapter. She finally does a dramatic reveal about who she is at this point, where she's like, I'm the president of the Incorporated Systems or something. Yeah. And, and her basic deal is uh, she was asked after after her uh, failed attempt to take over the Jedi Temple on Yavin 4, she was asked by a bunch of disparate, abandoned Imperial groups who who want to live peacefully outside the scope of the, uh, the uh, New Republic. Well, yeah, because she... Hates the Republic, mm-hmm. but she also hates what's left of the Empire because it's all just bickering, sycophantic assholes. And she's like, nothing that I re- actually loved from the old Empire still remains. Mm-hmm. Well, like, the only thing she ever really liked from the old Empire was Wilhuff Tarkin anyway. Well, yeah, but in this one, she's like, it was all about courage and honor. Mm-hmm. And we were out there being courageous and honorable when we blew up a planet with no weapons. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was always pretty brainwashed by the Imperial cause. So she's like, oh, festering blue blazes, uh, smirking, smoldering blue particles. I'll, <laughs> oh, I'll punch him in the, oh, that rabbit. She gets really mad, mostly at, I mean, she's, really, she's mad at Catellus in particular, but she has some invective to sling at, like, Leia and the Republican general and oh, Q- yeah, but Q-Varks. Oh, a lot of this is her just being like, ooh, Catellus, that little piece of shit. He shouldn't even be where he is. He wasn't worth a goddamn. Why, if Will Health Tarkin was still alive, I'm like, yeah, yeah I get it. Blow him out a window or whatever. I didn't sure. <laughs> I'd give myself a promotion. I get it. Cause you're, you were Tarkin's special project and you never figured that shit out. Ugh. The whole thing is her just being like, look, what we have is a bunch of dudes who are Empire people who wouldn't get along in the Republic, both mm-hmm. because they were ex Empire, which means they're not going to look favorably upon us and also because we just sort of don't like the republic but also we don't want to join any of this empire warlord shit so we just were given the ability to go to uh Paducius Chorius yeah they bought an entire continent yeah, of Paducius Chorius like we got a southern continent somewhere and they were like great here you can just have that settle it with your like thousands of people that you have apparently mm-hmm. and it's fine 
Oh, and then also she was invited to be the uh, head administrator of some sort of military squadron or something. Uh, it, it gets very light, light mentioned, but she's like, yeah, I'm just about peace now. Also, I was invited to be the temporary head of a military group. <laughs> but she's mostly just like, nah, man, all I want to do is just fucking retire with all of these people. Yeah, to... I've lost enough battles. I'm done. Yeah, I just want to go to Pedusius Chorios, hang out on a continent, and chill. Mm-hmm. And this motherfucker... <laughs> This dumb Gatellus motherfucker is bringing all you idiots around here, which I did not, I specifically did not want. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to get my planet because he's going to try and take this place over. And also, he's selling out the idea of the Empire to Lorinar. Fuck I, this guy. Can I just also interject that one of the, the invective terms that she slings at him is of a particular bit of. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you wanted to. Because there's two words. I mean, in, go for it. <laughs> there's two words in this set of chapters that I feel like are worthy of mention. One of them is beignets. Yeah, she's talking about how, like, oh, uh, like, we would uh, have wine and caffeine or caffeine and beignets. And I'm like, okay, hang on. You're look, not look. allowed to say coffee. You have to say caffeine because this is Star Wars. Yeah, it's space. There's no coffee in space. There's wine in space, but no coffee. It's caffeine or calf or vine calf. Well, yeah, but wine is like a type of drink like rather a, than a specific thing. Yeah, it's like a process. You can turn anything into wine. You can yeah, make tomatoes into wine. It's like if they said they had some sort of ale, I'd be like, yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. But but beignets? But beignets? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? That's like a regional donut. That's such a very specific thing to call out. Oh, yeah. It's not even like saying, oh, and they had like fritters. Because I go, okay, again, that's just something you do. Like, mm-hmm. it's not very specific. I mean, we've already established that there is a space New Orleans. It's uh, it's the planet Chadra 4 where all the Chadra fans live. Remember we established? Oh, yeah. Oh, we go get up in the trees. We go get up in the trees and eat, eat the fruit till we get drunk from it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, no, the big wave. I don't get who's going to get you. It's just a bunch of little drunken bat people. Uh, uh, so we've established that there is a space New Orleans, so that must be where the beignets are coming from. Yeah. But I guess that would be amazing. I would love if the Chadra fan were like, oh, yeah, we're known for our fruit juice and beignets. Also, no one can understand what we're talking about ever. Not a goddamn word of it. Uh, but the other thing that is a specific word that she calls Moff Gatellus, uh, when she calls him a uh, a sycophantic, bootlicking, brainless catamite of a man, which I never thought I'd see the term catamite in Star Wars. That. Now, this was a hole in my knowledge where I was like, I don't know what catamite is. I assumed that was a Star Wars thing. Well, it's such an old-fashioned, creaky insult that it, it it's not common parlance. Uh, it, it originally is derived from the Latin Ganymede, and it was used in, in Latin to describe a little boy that a like a 20, 20-year-old uh, like rich Roman dude would keep around for sex. Yeah. So it was basically like your little pederast, or your, your, as a pederast, you're the kid you keep around to to rub your dick on. Um, over time, it kind of, it started as a, as a term of endearment. Well, yeah, it's a it term like, of endearment if yeah. it's like, oh, this is this is my young twink that I have. Yeah, that's but what But then started. it was an insult if you were an older gentleman because they're like, dude, you shouldn't be doing this. And in modern parlance, the term catamite, as it still survives, basically is like, haha, you're a bottom. It's like a joke. It's like, uh, oh, you take it up the ass from other guys, ha ha ha, you know. So that's that's what the term means now. Yeah, I, it, I didn't. It's basically just her going like, ah, oh, what a big queer, and you're like, hey, come on now. Yeah, it's such a weird thing to say. Like, it's so specific. 
Yeah, well, that's been the thing I've noticed the most about Hambly is her weird need to put very specific terms in things. Yeah, yeah, like when she was the, the she was the one that was a reference to an extremely old French author, yeah. Rabelaisian. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like oh, come on, don't, you don't you, need to do this. These are so weird and noticeable when you do them, and this one puts homophobia right there in the book, and I don't need that. Ugh, yeah. People are supposed to like Admiral Dela. She's an interesting character. I mean, she's a bad guy, but yeah, she's I mean, an interesting you may not like, want to like her, but yeah. she's at least someone that you should be able to be like, oh, this is a villain that I can go, ooh, you're interesting and kind of cool. I have a grudging respect for you, even though you slur people's sexual choices. Like, <laughs> But that was a very unusual word to see. Yeah. So I just thought I'd make mention of it because I got the Ghibli's immediately. I mean, I literally, I even I had to go like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure that means that's like modern par or, or ancient parlance for bottom as a, as a uh, derogatory statement. Yeah. I, so I had to go like Google it and look it up to be sure. But damn. <laughs> yep. Not, there it was. <sighs> Anyhow, that's what she's mad at those people. Now, she reveals that she has basically an entire fleet of ex-Empire people and a whole bunch of ships. And she's like, well, fuck it. Let's go blow them up, too. Yeah. So it seems that now the fleet that uh, Han managed to cobble together is going to get some backup from uh, Dela. Yeah, I can't remember what happens with Dela. I I I've... I mean, all I've I've read lots of stories with her in them. I always get her confused with Isani Sard, who's another major Imperial woman character. Um, but she, I, I think that Galad Peleon, her her uh, partner in crime for the Jedi Academy attacks, uh, actually surrenders to the Alliance and, or the Rebels and becomes part of their fleet. Uh, but she, I thought, I thought she died gloriously. So maybe this is where she goes. I don't know. I mean, she was supposed to have died with. Callista is what yes. they say. Like, yeah, she was supposed to go down on the same like star destroyer that Callista went down on, but neither of them died. Yeah, the Night Hammer. They were supposed to both die on the Night Hammer. Uh, Callista infected the Night Hammer as a Force Ghost. Yeah, it was part of the whole attack on it. But whatever. Anyway, those aren't books we're going to come to anytime soon. I just thought it was gonna... it's so weird to see her at all. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's a especially late edition. as this like last minute inclusion You're like why i mean on the one hand it is nice that to see an author from the expanded universe allowing characters from other expanded universe novels to show up in the book because a lot of these books had a problem with that where the only characters that were ever mentioned outside of their own books were jade and thrawn well yeah it was okay is one of these characters super popular Okay, I'll put them in my book. Yeah. No? Well, then fuck it. They don't exist because I've got my own cool moth. Yeah, but, but uh, Hambly seems to have had a lot of names to drop because she mentions like Gantoris and Dorskady One and Admir <laughs> Admiral Dalla. She has a lot of important drops. Yeah. So anyway. Speaking uh, of important drops, I got to go to the bathroom. You want to wrap, <laughs> wrap this bad boy up or you just, was that a joke? It was a joke. It's all jokes. It's, it's all jokes. jokes. You don't have to poop right now because, John, if you need to poop, then you should poop. Oh, okay. I'll just poop right now. Okay, please do it. Please. Please poop here in my bedroom. <laughs> oh, man. Never mind. I changed my mind. First of all, it's weird that you grabbed my box of Jenga tiles. <laughs> First of all. Yeah, I don't understand. Were you going to wipe with them or poop on them? I Neither. I just needed reading material. <laughs> oh, right. And my Jenga tiles do have words on them. Yes, they are little dares on each one. Yeah, I have a weird thing of Jenga tiles. All right. Well, anyway, John, was there more to this chapter? I think we're no, done, that's, right? No, that, where we end is Dala basically saying that she's going to go send her fleet of ex-Empire to... I was about to say beat off Catellus, but let's not do that. No, let's leave Catellus' sexual life out of the books entirely, can we? Uh, yeah, she For was... a character we've never met. 
Yeah, she was just like, you know, as much as I think Leia is a piece of shit and I would love to see her get hoisted by her own petard, I also very much hate Gatellus and I'd rather he not take this zone so that we can actually, live you know, here. live somewhere. Yeah. So that's the end of the chapters. Who knows what's going to happen in 21 and 22? Probably a bunch more characters show up. I guess. I hope that in chapter 21, we get a big reveal of someone else here. And you're just like, great. Hi, we're Cam and Tion Solusar. Hey, I'm we're Horn Horn. And we're here for one chapter. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> this is wonderful. I'm so glad to meet you, Corin Horn. I just found out I'm a Jedi. That's great. That's so good. Mm -hmm. I'm glad. You're the only actual Mary Sue in Star Wars. All right. So, uh, John, I think we're just about done here. Why don't you tell them what they've won? So, if you like what we do here, you like the Star Wars and you need just a little bit more, just a just a little bit more to wet your whistle. Just a hair. Just in case you wanted to wet your whistle with a hair. Just in case you needed just a little wafer-thin hair to wet your whistle. Yeah, you just put a little hair down your throat. Maybe it's an eyelash or something. You don't know, but it's driving you insane and you can't get it out of there with your fingers. <laughs> If you want that very weird, specific, horrible experience, then you can go to patreon.com slash system mastery, support us at the $2 level, and you unlock all the bonus content for In our the world. All of it. For anyone else's Patreon, too. That's right. You unlock every single Patreon's bonus content. Now, we aren't responsible for what other uh, Patreons actually do. Now, uh, they, we told them. We told them. That if someone is a $2 donor, that they should give them all of our their bonus content. Mm -hmm. Now, if they don't comply with that, of course, you should email them and let them know. Yeah, let them know specifically that System Mastery and Expounded Universe said that, we, that they have full access uh, to their – to anyone who gives us $2 has full access to their Patreons. Yeah. We said. We said. And so – I mean, we declared it. It's been declared. It's the rules. So let it be written. Mm -hmm. So let it be done. Yeah. So <laughs> you get all of our bonus content for this show. Every week we go to Wikipedia. We find topics and subjects of interest in the Star Wars universe and bring them back and tell each other and you what we found. Yeah. The little nuggets in the Star Wars universe we have dug up. We bring you fun nuggets. And if yeah. you want fun nuggets and hairs in your throat. If, if you want fun nuggets, well, hold on. I got to go to the bathroom and drop some fun nuggets. <sighs> Oh, what is wrong with us? Anyway, I don't know. But this two, running bit is great. It's about four bucks a month. You Speaking of a running bit, I've got to go to hey, the hey. About four bucks a month. You get four extra episodes of podcast a month. Plus, and honestly, at a $2 pledge, you get two more than that as well. Yeah, you get our you, system mastery yeah. bonus content. So you're really getting, you're getting like six more episodes a show, and, and that's a pretty good deal So for, two, for four bucks a month. Yep. So please, pledge. Join us. Join help, us. Help us out, because we want to keep growing the show. Yeah. I mean, our ultimate dream is eventually to be able to have a little space to do recordings here in the town. Yeah, we want to be able to get to the point where we aren't just recording in Jeff's bedroom. Yeah, and that and that's something that's going to be tough to do because we live in San Diego. The rent here sucks. Yeah, everything sucks. Yeah. So Except uh, for the weather. The weather's great. And the people. And the people are very nice. The entertainment, awesome. The beaches, fantastic. Oh, the food. The food is actually very good, if you like Mexican, and we do. Yeah. But so, other than that, it's it's it, awful. What have the Romans done for us? <laughs> Besides the streets, the aqueducts, <laughs> health care. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, just support our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash system mastery. Thanks so much. Yeah. So, we are going to go find some stuff to look up in Wikipedia, but... 
We will see you again in another week. And until then, I've been Elan Sleesbagiano. And surprise, I'm Death Sticks. <laughs> That's a new one.